1: Thanks for joining us for another edition of Take Two. And when we say Take Two, we're taking it quite literally. There are only two of us today. Greg Hughes is here. I am here. Jim Tobaccus is taking some leave from us Uh, because if you've heard, I know this is not breaking news. It's
0: breaking my heart. Really it is. He's
1: running for Salt Lake Mayor. And this week was the official signing period. So he is now officially a candidate. So we're going to let him run, run hard. And we're hoping when it's done that he'll come back here and hang out with us again, whether it's as mayor or... I don't know what it is—vice mayor, council member, He'll be, citizen. Know, yeah,
0: citizen Jim. Or we'll take mayor, him back. Uh, mayor Jim. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's tricky. I, I think it's it's a great opportunity to talk public policy. We've had a great time. Uh, when that filing period comes and you're a candidate, uh, this is airtime, and so I think that some candidates would be jealous to uh, have you be the referee, the referee. on policy. So uh, I think that he's and you can't you can't take you can't do a a campaign way. So I think Jim's uh, working hard, but I know I'm going to, I actually don't want to destroy my street cred here, but yes, I will miss Jim uh, being wrong so often.
1: Right. And Jim in is need a need of
0: correction. A it fun, fun me. man.
1: We might just text each other and fight just for the fun of it. <laughs> That's on the right. Weekends. I got to get
0: out of my system.
1: Absolutely. And we want to let you know if you're one of our listeners here and you have someone where you think that could fill the big shoes or big mouth of Jim Debacus for a few months while he's gone. Feel free to let us know. You can, uh, Text me. You can send me an information uh, TV Heidi Hatch on Twitter on Facebook. You can message me or H Hatch at KUTV2.com. You
0: can't be just mad all the time. You got to be. Yeah, we need someone who's ready
1: to agree, be happy, be good
0: natured, you know, be a humorous. We can still be friends even when we don't agree. So that's right. If you want to come here with sabers that you want to rattle and pitchforks and torches. I think this shows a little different than that, but let's, let's find, let's see who uh, reaches out. It'd be fun. All right, it
1: will be fun. All right, uh, there has been some cage rattling this week because Lieutenant Governor Cox has been making. Who? uh, Have you heard of him? He's like the vice governor. Oh, okay.
0: (laughs) Vice governor. That's what my son used to call it, the (laughs) vice
1: governor. It's like the vice president. He is obviously making uh, his big first go of it this week on the campaign trail, and that means other people are talking about who else is running or not running, and people keep wanting to throw you into the mix? And you've already said you're many steps in the right direction, but you haven't actually jumped in, thrown who, your hat off. Who
0: me? Yeah, you. Me?
1: Yeah. Little so old me? Right? Oh, eh.
0: Yeah. You know, it's so funny, Heidi. The um, I've, I've been kind of saying the same thing. Um, you know, I need a long. I'm a little guy, so I need a long runway. Uh, it's, it's one of the reasons I didn't run uh, for re-election. Uh, and so, uh, because I felt that if I wanted the option to run for governor, I would need a, a long runway to get my business uh, in order to leave it for some time to run a full-time campaign and uh, even family vacation having time with the family before you take something like that on. So I, I, have, we've at, we've this questions come up before and I've said, yeah, I'm looking in that direction, but I, I'm not ready to officially announce yet. There's some time that would be needed. I think with our Lieutenant governor uh, announcing officially, and then uh, former Congressman Jason Chaffetz. Which
1: was huge news this week. A lot of people are like, why is this not news? But yeah, it's news. Are so, you surprised? Yeah. So
0: th- so these questions came at, I mean, there are these questions out there. And things that I had always been saying seem to be more newsworthy now. But I didn't make any new announcement. I didn't, uh, you know, I wasn't being tactical in any way. I just think some of the things that were already happening or kind of the chemistry that was going on, seemed more newsworthy with uh... chaffetz saying he wasn't running and uh, spencer cox saying that he was official. fish they want to in. nail you
1: down Yeah. Well, so let's talk about chaffetz for a second because there's been polls going on for a long time about this race knowing that it was going to be open a lot of people thought that he was polling high he would have a good chance he won overwhelmingly in his district but chaffetz at the same time disappointed a lot of people by stepping down very early after his reelection yes. Are you surprised that he's decided to stay with Fox News? Were you thinking he'd be in it to win it? Uh,
0: you know what? It, it would be a tough decision. I think that that's, uh, you know, being a member of Congress, as I've observed it, having friends that have, have, have done this, it's a tough schedule. The travel is brutal. The uh, Your opportunities to make a difference are, are limited inherently. And so it's it's a tough uh, way to be a public servant. Uh, to transition from that to, you know, the number one news uh cable network and uh, to be a member of uh, the, the chattering class on Fox news. I think that that's probably a, 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 an easier pace, but also a way to really get your name out. So I, I'm sure he's uh, well compensated for that effort. I think life is probably not as hard. So I think there's probably some there. I always imagined there would be some real quality of life issues to yeah. weigh. And, and, you know, he deserves some time to enjoy, uh, you know, being able to talk about issues without having to, uh, go through such a sacrifice. And
1: I did speak to him. I think he's enjoying hanging out with his wife, seeing his kids. I believe he's got grandkids even now. Wow. So I'm guessing it's probably a fun life doing what you want and probably getting paid well and not having to do it. Sure. Yeah. I always thought that
0: was, that was a variable. In yeah.
1: That. So we'll be watching very closely to see what happens with him next. For you, we will all just have to hold our breath. <laughs> Although I'm not going to. I like breathing. So let's talk about some other issues going on. The last, so not the one this week, but before Inland Port meeting, it had to be shut down because of protesters there. Yes. It didn't go well. I don't think they were prepared for protesters. This time there was a new Inland Port meeting. It was at the Capitol. The Highway Patrol was prepared. I was trying to count on video because I wasn't actually there, but it seemed like they had at least maybe 10 troopers there. So they were ready to keep the peace if need be, and it happened to be that they were needed there. The question is is this part of the process is a a part of the american way that we have these people protesting what they believe are issues and this time a lot of them were wearing masks concerned about the air quality that would come yeah. from a port or are they going about it the wrong way and not letting the conversation happen yeah
0: I, I i would be in the category of it's a mockery of a public hearing and i and i'm and i'm pretty uh, disappointed by it as a member of the legislature and having been a committee member and chaired a committee Uh, in the legislature and been a member of that body for 16 years, Uh, when I chaired public education, I would say, especially if there was a divisive issue and we had a packed house and we knew that there was an issue that was really, uh, there were strong opinions in the room. The first thing I would say as chair is, uh, you know, when you talk about mama bear and papa bear's cubs, there's a lot of emotion, but this uh, public hearing is a deliberative process. We need to hear input from the public as well as those that have come to testify, Uh, and if you know, we can't have that deliberative process if there's outbursts, if there's people trying to interrupt that. And so in some of those cases, I would ask the troopers to be present and I would remind the people that had attended, we have our friendly troopers here and if you can't help but boo, hiss, yell, clap, cheer, uh, and that has the effect of interrupting the process, our troopers are gonna ask you to leave.
1: So how do they go about being a protester? Because that is part of the way the government works here. How do you make sure your voice is heard? Because people sure. have real concerns. If Jim were here, he would say, yeah, the air is a concern. This is something that Salt Lake City hasn't completely been on board with. The state kind of gave this land away. We're going to be having a lot of traffic going through here. There are issues. So how do people make sure those issues are addressed? Because they are issues that are
0: absolutely worthy. And, and, I, and I would say two ways. I would say that you can you can protest or you can make your voice heard or you can by by way of uh, rallies, you can have, we have so many rallies at the Capitol, on Capitol Hill, in the rotunda, on the stairs of the Capitol, uh, outside the buildings. If you're interrupting the public hearing though, you're stopping the public work from being able to continue. And that's a very different thing than exercising freedom of speech in my opinion. I I read an editorial that said uh, very little is accomplished when you're shouting and and you're resisting uh, the troopers invitation to leave and you're fighting back and you're stopping the meeting from happening. Um, something is being accomplished. The people's work isn't being done. and it's successful. And if you allowed that to continue, then that board is not going to be able to convene and be able to do the work that it's been charged to do. And that really is not, uh, under the banner of freedom of speech. That is really stopping uh, the public work. So protest, The the capital is not uh, shy to, and and is not new to protests or rallies or uh, support for whatever cause, but public hearings need to be respected in terms of how they work because you want public feedback. You don't just want people that want to take bullhorns to the meeting or start shouting down people. You want thoughtful dialogue to occur. You want the decision makers to hear that perspective to help shape the decisions they'll ultimately make. You can't do that in chaos. And what that's what I think the last two uh, board meetings have have uh, just devolved into, is chaos. And that's not that's not uh, good.
1: Are they adding to the problems, though? I saw some video and I couldn't see the head, but I, on the tweet it said that Jeff Hartley, who I understand is yes. on that board, who's supposed to be listening to people, actually got between a journalist and some of those protesters and was not allowing that journalist to film what was going so on. He's, so yeah. why do that? I mean... He may yeah. not like it, the protesters are there because they obviously want to make a scene and get on TV, which we understand is an issue when you do journalism, but it's part of the process that's going on. Why is he stepping in and trying to stop the process of journalism? Because to me, that makes me think, okay, maybe there are some issues here so, we should talk so, about. So uh,
0: by way of, uh, again, transparency, transparency. Uh, Jeff Hartley, he's a government relations okay. uh, person for, he is not on the board, he, was, he testified at the committee, Gotcha. Okay. he was in the audience. His brother was my chief of staff, Greg Hartley, so I know I know Jeff. Uh, I will say this. Um, reporters are very good over the years of figuring out p- lawmakers' schedules, uh, getting a camera or a, or a microphone, asking questions. I think what you had is, I don't think there was anything overly premeditated there. I think there was a scuffle, there were people moving, uh, people that had to get up out of their seats to allow the, the troopers to move i think katie I, lo- I like katie mckellar with desert news she's a great reporter she's a hard worker i think uh, jeff wanted to ask her why are you giving more attention to more uh, uh more airtime or or print to this type of behavior because it's going to make it worse he was asking her questions and you know i i i think i think we just have to see that situation for what it is i don't think we should over exaggerate it I've had reporters who've made sure they were in my path so oh, that they absolutely. can ask a question. Because I don't you think... are
1: a public servant. We'll find you but, where we but want. But look, the,
0: the media, I mean, they, if they're going to quote, uh, you know, people like Jeff in, in an yeah. article, I think they can ask questions and they can and do that. I just, I think those two just need to have a conversation. I don't think anyone was trying to intimidate each other or that Jeff was trying to intimidate, but I do think he was asking a genuine question. And you had other things going on around them at the same time. Yeah. But look. You know we're all human beings, and we all have jobs to do. I heard that as one of the th- one we of the We all comments. do have
1: jobs to do. And correct. remember, at
0: the at the epicenter of this was the job of that inland port board uh, being able to conduct its hearing was being stopped. Their job was not allowed to continue, and that was kind of why. And then we had criticisms of the of the troopers for removing people, and there was a lot of criticism. They were doing their job. A lot of jobs being attempted yeah. there, and so I um I just think uh, I I think there's a lot being made of that that uh, very brief encounter. But I I do think that that's what you get when you see chaos start to erupt in what should be a very deliberative and important public hearing.
1: I guess the good news is a conversation is going on and the meetings will continue. So we're gonna keep tabs on that and see where that goes. Uh, What I've also been keeping tabs on, and I'm pretty sure a decision will be made as soon as we stop recording this podcast, (laughs) that's how it works. But today I think is the deadline that President Trump would have to sign the tariffs into law for Mexico if they wanted to start rolling on Monday the 5% that he said. You last time we talked were in support of his, what seemed to me kind of a last minute knee-jerk reaction saying 5% tariffs. Yeah. Is this working how you were thinking? I've actually been a little surprised myself that Mexico's come to the table and said, okay, here's what we have to offer. Before we get your answer, let's talk about what they had to offer. 6,000 Mexican troops would go to the border. Okay. They would also, uh, to my last understanding, create more of an asylum process and keeping people on that side of the border. And I also read that there was a possibility they'd already shut down some bank accounts, which I thought was a big deal for some of the known human smugglers that would help get people across the border. So Mexico obviously knows that there are ways that they can go about stopping some of this. It doesn't mean it's going to stop all of it. But there has been some progress. Is this yes. what you
0: expected, or no? It's what we hoped. I, and I said last week, in the absence of Congress doing its job and finding ways to to enforce the border, or what I think is a verifiable crisis at the border, what should a president do? And I don't know. Just because the public only learned of that decision uh, very quickly, that that was knee-jerk. I think that certainly the president must have asked, absent. Congress doing its job. What could we do? Yeah. And it was probably a list of things and options that were out there for him. Uh, it would help if the Democrats and even some Republicans weren't undermining the president's message to Mexico by saying, we don't want him to do that. I think that they should be supportive of the president, the United States, its position. If they have a disagreement about it, maybe, maybe talk uh, privately, but it undermines the president's message uh, to Mexico. If you see the internal or the uh, discord amongst Congress and, and the president. But even in that climate where some, where Democrats and some Republicans have been in opposition, I think Mexico knows that the president is serious and that he is going to do this absent a better working relationship at that border to, to come together and work on those problems. You're seeing you've just listed some good yeah. measurables. I think that there's more that can be done. I think that's what like I'm hearing. What? Well, I, I do think that six. I, I don't know that. I don't, I'm not down there. So I don't know if 6,000 is the magic number, but the messaging I've heard from the president is he's very encouraged. He sees it going in the right direction, but he thinks that there is more that can be done together. And so I would allow this president to, to make that case and to see what they can come to together with the prospect of tariffs. If, if there isn't any cooperation. And again, when Ronald Reagan said, tear down this wall and, it didn't happen. It was, you know, that was in the '80s. It was '91 before the wall came down. Uh, but Ber- now we're Berlin, trying to build a wall. wall. So, but what I'm saying is, there's an incubation period. And in 2019, we want everything to be immediate. We want it to happen now. If he, you know, if he said it, if you haven't fixed it in 20 minutes, it wasn't. A, it didn't work. Give this president some time. Uh, these are serious economic uh, consequences on both sides. But it shows the seriousness of this problem, and we need action. And to Chuck Schumer and the Democrats who are just just you know, apoplectic about this, do your job. You do it then. You're supposed to. I mean, I think the president's doing anything he thinks he can, but certainly there's a much uh, stronger way to deal with this, and we just need Congress to start doing its job
1: it'll be interesting to see what happens now we should say that the tariffs could still go into effect that would be monday and that five percent would affect states differently i looked at a map and utah actually was one of i think maybe the top 10 or 12 states that would be affected by this we have more coming in from mexico than other states i'm not sure exactly why who will be hurt the most and will be, will we be personally feeling it in our pocketbooks instantly or they there going to be larger businesses that are kind of taking a hit and waiting to see how it shakes so, down?
0: You know, I um, I, I don't know the, the, the exact economic impact, but I yeah. do know that there is inevitably an impact to our state because Mexico is I think our strongest trading partner as a state uh, with other countries. Uh, but here's the thing, and I heard the president say this uh, when he was in uh, in Normandy in an interview, uh, the, the farmers of this country that have been impacted by the tariff, uh, the, the disputes with China, or even what's uh, on the on the horizon with Mexico, uh, he he describes the farmers of the United States as patriots because they're supporting this president and trying, in the long view, to get this right. And I think, again, as you hear some of the agreements that are being uh, negotiated, including with Mexico, there is some benefit for agriculture, for our farmers here in the United States, and so. Uh, I would like us all to kind of use that same template or, or the, our farmers as an example. if our farmers are saying that there's immediate pain but if there's a long term progress that's been met or, or better than what we've had uh, they're willing to to wait that out. I think we all should uh, do that because I think that inevitably we this these efforts with tariffs are not to make the United States an ice you know in isolation from the rest of the planet it's really his way of saying, look, we need to lower barriers of trade. We need to do these things. We need to work together in a stronger way. Mexico with the border, but with China, 400 million in their middle class, they tariff the daylights out of the things we send there. They enjoy no tariffs or didn't as they brought their things to our country. Shouldn't those, shouldn't the barriers or the lack of barriers be the same? I would argue that they should be. And if that equilibrium can be there, I think both sides agree, but you got to have that conversation and that's not been an easy one to have. So everybody hang on, All right. let the guy do what he wants to, what he, what he thinks is the right thing and let's see what the, what the end result is.
1: We'll have to hang on. I'll be interested to see what social media does starting Monday, if the tariffs go well, there, into It's effect. so impatient. And if avocados <laughs> cost $6 each, which <laughs> I eat one a There is one, no one long game
0: in social media. There's no long there game in social no media. There is no long
1: game, but you know, I'm going to be tweet when I buy my $6 avocado and be like, I need to take out a loan for this. So. <laughs> Anyhow, there are issues, so we're going to be keeping close tabs on that and see exactly what happens. Also, I don't know a lot about this, but there was a meeting yesterday on the third Medicaid waiver, and this would be the waiver that would give us the fuller or fullest Medicaid expansion. Do you know where they're at on that process and what happens next and how likely it is to go through?
0: Uh, I will predict that we will successfully receive those waivers. I know that we had waivers pending uh, with the Obama administration. I went back and met with then Secretary of Health and Human Services, Secretary Burwell, with the governor and with President Niederhauser, the Senate president, and uh, we made a, a, a very strong case. We got great feedback, but we never saw any of that, those waivers actually granted. We've seen waivers granted by this administration since the since Trump uh, has become president, and I think this will that trend will continue. I just ask for Utahns to take a little inventory. This administration has been working very closely with the state of Utah. We're seeing a lot of cooperation, and I would argue that Utah punches above its weight in terms of attention it receives from the administration, uh, the work that our legislature, our governor has been able to do with the Trump administration, and even. Uh, people that are working within the Trump administration are some of their great people that came from state government and, uh, and here in the state of Utah. So I, I sometimes hear a lot of criticism, but I think we have to do a better job of taking inventory of how the working relationship with our state and what we do on a state level has improved. Under this administration,
1: how long does it take to get that third waiver? And are there people here in Utah that really will be hurt? If Jim were here, I feel like he'd be holding your feet to the fire, oh, saying, he, he "Listen, be... there's all these well, people he'd be who making be getting stuff their up. That would
0: be a problem. He would just make it up on uh, the line. Oh, you can't throw him under
1: to... the bus when he's <laughs> not here like that."
0: <laughs> yeah, no. Here's here's I, I, I we we are covering everyone, and then uh, we believe that the waiver is how and how we define it is going to. Uh, make sure that the way we, we cover people yeah. uh, is a way that we can make sustainable. Uh, the, the whole issue there has always been you can 't ask government a state government that doesn 't print money that can 't deficit spend, that has to use a set dollar amount, and whatever it 's spending here it can 't spend somewhere else. We never want uh, a, a flat ten percent that you have to pay of a number we don 't or an amount we don 't know. To come at the expense of the elderly or children or permanently disabled or uh, our education or public safety, you, ju- you just you need budget certainty. That's the way that state governments build their budgets. So the the waivers we're asking for are to provide those th- that certainty and to not see Medicaid expansion for able-bodied adults uh, at a certain income level come at the expense of those who would, I would argue, be in greater need or would be more vulnerable yeah. than uh, than that population. So it's coming. I'm, I'm very optimistic that we'll see good things from those
1: waivers. We're gonna talk more budgets here. Um, ben McAdams, uh, Representative McAdams, tweeted uh, this afternoon that the federal budget deficit adds almost one trillion per year to our national debt. We're already at 22 trillion, which is a number I think is hard to wrap your brain around even. But he says, when you're in a hole this deep, the first step is to stop digging. Today, he introduced an amendment to make sure Congress doesn't get a pay increase. Is this something that you can back? Should we be um, giving more money to Congress? I feel like if we were looking at AOC on Twitter and I didn't actually check out to see what Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was saying, she would say, I have to have a house in Washington, DC. I have to have one in New York. I'm not self-made, we need a raise. Do they deserve a raise or is that just one more way to add to the debt that we're not living within our budget and our means yeah. and it's just not a good idea?
0: I, I applaud uh, Congressman McAdams for, for this uh, approach. I think that uh, empathy is a, is a powerful teacher. I think that if you were expecting a raise and you didn't get it, it and and the implication or the accusation is because we're not doing our job, I think that's accurate and I think it's appropriate. What I would like to see more and again, I, I like Ben. Uh, we, when he was County Mayor, we worked, and I was Speaker of the House, we worked very closely in a bipartisan way to get some good uh, things accomplished. But it, we need more than that. We need more than just, we're gonna freeze our pay. Get the numbers. I mean, Ben is of the majority in the, in the House. I know he's a freshman, yeah. but we have got to see this Congress do its job. It can't just complain about Trump. It can't just kick the can down the road. It's got to do. The job of the people, and look, it's it's hard, but I would rather see political capital spent proposing how we're going to get this spending under control. Because once you say that, then you have to say what you'd like to put bring under control. It's what are you going know, to stop spending on? That's a harder conversation to have.
1: I know Senator Romney actually took a stand, and it was only a half stand to me because his vote on the money that was going to wildfires and disaster relief aid. I think it was in nineteen. Was it? million, trillion? I can't even remember what it was. All the disaster relief bill. Anyhow, he voted against it. I think he was the only Republican to do so. People were mad at him saying, well, why are you not wanting to give this money to people who are victims of wildfires they can't take care of or floods or whatnot but he was taking a stand against all the pork that was tacked onto it and oftentimes that's where our budget gets nasty yep so he obviously didn't cost the vote for people getting that money but he did take a stand which I thought was interesting because at some point if we don't get rid of all that pork oftentimes I think that's where the debts coming from and I think it's going to take not just this one let's not give ourselves raises but let's not just tack on whatever well, we
0: want. you're exactly right And here's here's the issue we have a debt ceiling and it's 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 an imaginary line that we say this is only this is
1: how
0: much debt this this yeah. country can reasonably take on. And as soon as we hit it, they just, without a balanced budget, without a budget sent to the governor or to the, to the president, um, but just supplemental budgets for five, six months, a year, kicking the can down the road, we raise the debt limit and raise it and raise it. It's been a conservative position. You've seen Senator Lee talk about not raising the debt limit. You've heard the president say, let's stop raising the debt limit. Are we gonna come to terms with this? You know, and yet all everybody I can has say, their pet project yeah, and wants to And so to spend. everybody's in there and nobody wants the consequence of, of freezing of not raising that debt limit. But to what end? I, I I just there has to be at some point, collectively our country has to ask, then what? Are you just gonna keep raising it? We're just gonna deficit spend until
1: what? I, we I, just, some I, don't see,
0: yeah, I don't see the reasonable end to just the status quo and just spending a lot, you know, a little rattle a saber to say, Hey, we shouldn't pay ourselves more if yeah. we, if we don't get this done or we shouldn't do disaster relief. If there's all this other spending inside, I don't, I don't oppose the sentiment, but ultimately you got to do more. It's what you were sent there to do. And they all have to quit raising the debt limit, the ceiling, and start pulling it in. And, and and anyway, they gotta do their job. It's it's on a lot of fronts, but yeah. I, I, I get more and more frustrated as I watch it.
1: Let's talk about it on a more Utah level. Someday you hope to maybe possibly run for governor. If you would, you'd be in charge of a budget over a state. And there's a lot involved. There's a lot of different communities. And right now we're seeing teachers getting much needed raises in basically if not all largely some of the biggest school districts across the state which i think most of us applaud because we feel like teachers should be paid well we want them to stick around we want them to feel valued and be there for our children to teach we're also seeing these pay raises for police officers who put their lives on the line other emergency responders and these are all coming with tax increases so the question is when you're looking as a state or you're looking as a community, how do you make sure that these people who are so important to our community get their raises, but we don't start living like the federal government where we just keep pushing up and up and up? Where's sure. the balance? Because there's important Minimally, issues and money At here.
0: least the state only spends what it receives, it, it, it yeah. takes in. So if you want to spend on something, you have to have the money to spend it. That's unlike the federal government that can spend money it doesn't have, it just prints more. Um, so you have that inherent kind of limitation on what you can actually spend or commit to because you can only spend what you bring in.
1: Is that worth a tax raise to you, paying our police officers and teachers uh, You know more? what,
0: I think you gotta bring it up. It's gotta be, so we have this big tax debate that's going on, and yeah. I think that the biggest challenge, now not being in the legislature and watching it as Citizen Hughes, is I don't know how much the public understands or how much the public has weighed and found the pros and cons on taxing services, Is does that help do the things that you're describing, give uh, needed raises to public safety and our teachers and and all of you know those critical areas yeah. that we, that society needs. There has to be a more robust uh, debate or discussion about those things, and the public at large has to understand it and be willing to support it or not. But if you do it in a vacuum, you can't raise taxes to do these things, even if they're noble. If the public fundamentally doesn't understand what you're doing, and I, I I'll tell you that that's the that's the trouble with balancing a budget is that the needs and the and the request always outweigh the the available dollars that we have yeah and it's it's funny because if we have a billion dollar surplus there's two billion in asks if it was 300 million dollars in surplus there'd be 600 million it's like it the expectations move always higher than what the dollars that are arriving come in at but then you have to make some hard decisions it's not like everything you don't fund were bad ideas and you only funded the good things you have to weigh these and that's that's that is what i love about state government is you have to make some of those hard decisions and then justify them as as you see the raises coming public education we put 1.7 billion dollars of new doll new money in when i was speaker for the la- those four years um we we came out of that great recession increasing education funding faster than the national average but all that said when you look at Utah compared to other states, we're still not funding per student at the same pace other states do. So. There's a lot, it's a very complicated issue. I just issue had an and, idea
1: of how to pay for it. So Utah okay. loves Sodalicious and Fizz and all those places. And so why don't we tax soda, because it's like Utah Starbucks. People go there, yeah. they're not gonna stop like going that. there. Let's tax it really high, so if they want it, they're gonna have to pay for it. And that's what we'll pay our emergency responders hey. and teachers. People are not gonna give it up, so we'll have the money there. And
0: you think people will love that. And they will say, Heidi Hatch They'll for be governor. Like, we love it she we took our it. sodas our soda delicious <laughs> she put a big tax on it we want her to be our next I'm governor. pretty
1: sure not didn't wasn't yeah. there like a big hollabaloo uh, in New York so, a few years ago yeah. about taxes so there, so that's go well. the balancing act the fat you know,
0: tax. you might have just spotted a great source but the people that you thought it's the fist drinkers
1: a, are gonna chase me down don't
0: tax me don't tax the tax the guy behind the tree everybody loves a tax someone else has to pay
1: it's true and I don't drink soda <laughs> so I felt like it was a fair see? tax see? see
0: there you go I was
1: like let's Tax yeah. those soda drinkers.
0: That's why those syntaxes. Tax the booze and the cigarettes, boy. Just tax those Just don't t-
1: tax my avocados. Yeah, right? don't tax
0: the, the, the super big gulp. I'll go crazy.
1: All right. One last issue before we go. Yesterday was the 75th anniversary of D-Day. Um there was remembrances all around the world and I felt it was extremely touching watching some of those men who were actually there on D Day on the beach. I'm getting like mm. emotional thinking yeah. about it, yep. but It was beautiful seeing them there. Even the 97-year-old guy who jumped out of a plane again and said that it was way easier at 97 because someone wasn't shooting him. Do you feel like the president did a good job representing the US on such a somber and important anniversary day?
0: Uh, It was clearly one of the most moving and I think impactful speeches of his presidency. And one of the uh, bellwethers for that is that even CNN and some of his harshest critics were acknowledging that the speech was uh, important and it was impactful, and I thought that it, you know it was fun to feel like an American yesterday, yeah. to feel like we were all um, together. That the parties and the and the differences weren't uh, the the headline. And look, it was a world effort, uh, you know. And we have as a planet, as a as a people, we're we're a closer uh, community now with technology. The yeah, world is, is argued to be flat and getting it's getting smaller. Uh, we need that kind of world effort again. We need to feel that unity again. And sometimes I worry that identity politics or nationalism being described as a pejorative. If, if, you, if by nationalism you mean patriotism, we can be patriots. And I think it's a common bond that people, no matter who they are, um, ethnicity, gender, we all can feel that together. And then, if you take that one step further on D-Day, and you look at what the world effort was at that time. Yeah, the
1: Allied forces—that yes. was a huge commitment. I mean, yeah. Think
0: about, and, and that is something that—that that, you know, that's in Normandy, that's in France. That, yeah. that we feel these, these feelings, and so we've got to get—we got to at least aspire to it. And that's what I'm grateful for—a day like yesterday—is that it reminds us at least that that is possible. And I think, honestly, that's where we have to try a little harder. All of us have to try harder to be. Like they, like that day, like, and that was a crisis, and it wasn't fun, and it wasn't good uh, what was going on, but historic and impactful. And we have to identify those moments that we're living through today and and come together a lot more.
1: It's true. It also made me think the little things that you that you complain about on a daily basis are not things to complain about because, none yep. of us have been through anything like that well we are out of time and somehow we filled the time with just two of us we are going to be working hard to find someone to fight with greg again you can send us your this was ideas such a
0: nice this was a podcast that just i did i just wasn't getting hammered this was beautiful
1: oh i don't think you but liked I, it.
0: I do miss jim That's he likes true. fighting I do. so
1: jim we miss you thank you for we joining us you, jim. this week we'd love to hear your ideas find me on social media or h hatch at kutv2.com thanks for listening and we'll be back again next week